Hi, it's Marcia Simone Cadogan from Canaan Bridges Consulting. Culture, history, and futures are often intricately linked with the expressive art forms and creations of creative practitioners. This holds true for the Maoris peoples of New Zealand, whose rich cultural heritage, their talents, freedoms, and futures are reflected in their art forms. In this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by Dr. Anna Marie White. She's the strategic advisor for Tiamori and also by the general manager of Tiamori, Tamahu Tamara, to talk about Maori's arts and intellectual property rights management and also the influence of Maori's rich cultural heritage and also cultural activism on indigenous people's rights globally. Stay tuned. Thank you both for joining uh, the podcast for today. Uh, I'll start off with Anne-Marie. Tell us about yourself in the context of your work with Taimori. And uh, after Anne-Marie responds, Tamahu, feel free to talk about your work as well in the context of, of the organization. I come to work at Toi Māori uh, from a background in uh, public cultural spaces in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Uh, so I've been a practicing public gallery curator for 15 years. Uh, and as a Māori curator uh, who was representing the interests of Māori in uh, the mainstream uh, culture sector, uh, I constantly battled uh, issues to, surrounding um, the viability and visibility of Māori art um, within the cultural landscape. Uh, so it was a real pleasure after completing a PhD uh, to have the opportunity to join the team at Toi Māori, an organisation that was established in 1996 um, with that objective uh, first and foremost. Uh, so uh, I'm a relatively junior staff member here uh, and have really enjoyed my time uh, working as part of this organisation under the leadership of Tamaho Timara. Tamaho, I'll pass the, the floor to you. Thanks, Henry. Do you want to talk about your work? Kia ora, Masha. Tamaho Timara, Timu Whakarai, General Manager of Toi Māori Aotearoa. I've been working uh, with Toi Māori since 2006, uh, so that's over 15 years. And in May this year, I was recently appointed uh, the general manager as our former general manager, Gary Nicholas, uh, who had been part of this institution since uh, 1996, um, retired uh, last year. Um, before that, um, I used to work in uh, the National Museum for 15 years. Uh, and part of my work there uh, was actually working with tribes across the country and connecting them with all uh, their Māori artefacts that are held uh, within uh, the Institute of the National Museum. Uh, and so from there, uh, it was a story about connecting them to their um, uh, ancestral uh, and cultural uh, icons uh, that are held within Te Papa. Um, it was giving voice for them to actually speak uh, and bring alive 
uh, those artifacts uh, which are held, giving them access to that, and also uh, repatriating uh, the ancestral, um, their ancestors basically, uh, to the iwi groups. <clears throat> so while I was working there, part of my mahi was to actually go overseas to institutions all around the world uh, that held Māori uh, ancestral remains. Um, we were mandated by our government uh, back in 2003 uh, to carry out that work uh, on behalf of the people uh, of this country uh, to repatriate back our ancestors um, and at the same time have domestic repatriation uh, going on uh, for the hundred plus tribes that we have here in this country um, and that's something that we're still involved in as a Māori arts organisation uh, to this day. We represent a spread uh, of national uh, Māori art forms um, and our artists are based all over this country um, and we've had a lot of uh, Indigenous interactions uh, before 1996 um, with uh, the Northwest uh, West Coast tribes uh, along Canada, right down into the USA, uh, and also uh, within the Pacific Rim. And the thing that brings us together, uh, it's using our art forms as the vehicles uh, to bring our cultures together. Um, just as recently as 2010, uh, we've also diversified ourselves into um, uh, Europe as well. Um, and we have a number of um, crucial relationships uh, that we've established there uh, and using art as the connector for that. That's a, such a phenomenal accomplishment, you know, and it's so great that you have You've established international connections that are taking Maori's art and culture and history mainstream. And as you were talking, Tamahu, I could also see the synergy and the, the relationship between what Amri is bringing to the organization with, with what you've brought and are bringing to the work as well. So that's great. Amri, uh, you know, that the Maori art is such as Maori's culture is so rich and uh, I'm just wondering if you could talk about the relationship between Maury's art and Maury's culture. And if you'd like to talk about your PhD work when you answer, that would be great as well. Uh, well, the, it's hard to talk about the relationship between art and culture because they're the same. Uh, so you might say that art is a tangible expression of the culture. Uh, but it is also a form of uh, literate, cultural uh, of literature. Yes, um, it is an archive. Uh, these are our our art forms uh, have a very active function uh, within culture and are performed as such. So provide direct connections and portals uh, to an ancestral realm. Uh, so that that, that integral. Um, position of Māori art within Māori culture uh, is something that is not, that doesn't translate uh, so effectively into the mainstream 
culture heritage sector where art and heritage are often described differently and also contained by different institutions. So a lot of the work that is done here at Toimari is to ensure uh, the relationship between art and culture is maintained uh, and expressed as such. And these were the subjects of my doctoral research. That's, that's really great. And actually, it would be great to read your, your work. <laughs> Tamuhu, what's your perspective? You know, Anne-Marie spoke about that art in art and culture are the same in regards to Maury's history and what, you know, uh, art means to Maury's people. Do you have any perspective on what on that question? Um, basically, yeah, they go hand in hand with one another. Uh, you can't have one without the other. Um, also adding to that uh, is our language as well. Um, so when we established uh, language schools um, back in the 80s. Um, actually, I was one of the, um, a product of a bilingual school. Uh, they taught both in Māori and English uh, back in the 70s. Um, and we were the first bilingual school um, in the country uh, in a place called uh, Ruatuki, uh, which is up in the Bay of Plenty of New Zealand. Um, but also with that, uh, just with uh, the art and what have you that our people uh, carried uh, with them um, after journeying some one million square kilometres of uh, ocean, Pacific Ocean, uh, and populating uh, those particular islands. This uh, was one of the last places uh, that um, part of my ancestry came from. Um, but um, we always say, um, the other part of my tribe always said that uh, we were here welcoming people who came on the um, those voyaging canoes uh, that journeyed throughout the Pacific. And just while we're on that, if you can just move aside, um, you'll see two masks uh, that are up on the wall here yes. at the back of me. Yes. Um, those are actually from uh, your area, from Canada. Ah. Um, and it tells Amazing. of a um, culture uh, that uh, got shipwrecked uh, on the shores of Canada there, mm. intermarried the people mm. uh, uh, with that particular tribe mm. uh, based up in the, uh, in the Canada area. And they tell the story um, of uh, these people who came on canoes voyaging yeah. canoes and um, got shipwrecked and then um, they looked after them, cared for them and eventually intermarried and yeah. then those are the types of stories that are shared uh, between the you know and it's only the water that's separating oh, us yeah. and some of the people that um, uh, we've interacted uh, throughout the years and um, even with our people here we sort of look similar so uh, that says a lot. Um, <laughs> it does. But we carry with us um, all those values, um, all those histories that are associated with us. Uh, so back in 1975 was when Māori rose up around the country 
and actually protested. Um, they started a huge land march uh, way up in the far north and eventually arrived down to Parliament to fight for our language. Uh, so that was instituted uh, that Māori be an official language of this country. Uh, you know, we already said, well, hey, that, that was our first tongue. Our first language was Māori. Um, so, of course, uh, it should be uh, as part of this uh, nation and what it's founded on. Now, as of uh, two years ago, uh, the current Prime Minister uh, and the Labour government uh, have also instituted that Māori history be taught as part of the New Zealand education uh, curriculum of this country. Mm. Why should we be learning history of other uh, countries around the world when we don't even know our own? Māori know their own uh, because those are stories that are passed down. Uh, they're either carved um, or they're recorded uh, in our many art forms uh, that we have uh, as an expression of who we were, uh, how we are today, and where we're looking to in the future. Um, so that's something uh, that's uh, being uh, instigated at this point in time. Um, and it's looking at our past histories and saying that, well, you know, um, uh, we were here for a very long time before uh, the first uh, European uh, ship came here, which was in 1642 uh, by Abel Tasman. Uh, and then 100 plus years later uh, by Captain Cook uh, from uh, England there in 1769. Um, so if I can just um, uh, diversify a bit yes. further uh, with those relationships um, that Tui Māori has held through the artists um, and us uh, with this organisation here. Um, so that interaction that happened in 1642. Uh, sorry. Um, That's so okay. 1642, Abel Tasman. Um, we were approached by a museum in the Netherlands um uh, for a what what we thought was just a model uh walker a, a canoe uh model canoe uh we said look sure uh we can uh, point you in the right direction uh to our artists uh who can actually carve canoes model ones um but then they turned around and said look no no we actually want a real one we said oh you can't have a real one and they said oh why not and uh we said well you get us with it. They said, well, that's very good then. I mean, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we ended up carving this uh, 15 metre canoe that can mm. fit 16 uh, crew members on board. Um, it's housed up in uh, the Netherlands there. Um, we had a look at all the stories and how we could relate the philosophies uh, around uh, waka and the people that manage it, that look after it. Uh, we call them kaitiaki, uh, people who actually uh, are endeared to looking after this uh, waka that we have mm -hmm. up in the Netherlands there. Now, we use it as a waka, um, as a canoe to promote this country, which we have done in 2011 
being part of the uh, City of London Festival, uh, whereby we've had that waka on the Thames River, uh, opening up uh, the whole of that festival uh, in London. And then uh, we were invited again on behalf of the government of this country to represent New Zealand on the water at the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. Um, and that brought through a thousand uh, man-powered vessels on the water. Um, and again, we filled it with crew from here and also crew from the Netherlands mm-hmm. uh, that come over, that have been coming over since 2010 uh, to upskill, uh, to work with all our six to eight hundred uh, waka paddlers, canoe paddlers that we yeah. uh, bring together every year uh, for Waitangi and we share uh, the philosophies, uh, the culture, the art form uh, that goes with that. That's important. Um, yep. And at the end of the day, uh, so we've built this, this canoe in terms of the intellectual property and what have you. Uh, regarding the the mātauranga, the knowledge uh, and how it's used um, and the customs around that, we retain all that. <clears throat> so it's based on a hundred year relationship. Uh, it's signed in a deed uh, that looks at the um, actual um, aspects uh, pertaining to that waka and how it's cared for, when it's used, when it can be used uh, in the different parts of uh, Europe and what have you. So, but uh, we're always part of that uh, waka. But it's through that waka there that we created the vehicle for the relationship to continue with the Dutch. So, and that's just just one uh, example of how we've done things uh, with our Maori arts and culture. We, as the people, still need to retain the right. Um, for uh, those cultural icons because, mm. I mean, for us, uh, we look at museum institutions all around the world. Yes. And then if they have Taona Māori, if they have Māori artefacts in there, <coughs> you can look at it uh, from a aesthetic view and um, behind a glass box and what have you. But in order to give it life, to bring it to life, uh, to make it uh, it's got to have its people there uh, because through our culture uh, and through that connectivity uh, that's how we bring things to life and that's the other aspect that um, uh, we as a people and no doubt other indigenous cultures as well uh, bring to um, a material uh, artifact so, yes yeah that's, uh, that's fascinating about um, the Tihono Ki Aotearoa case study, yeah. uh, which is the name that's given to that waka, um, is that it really provides a great model um, for uh, intellectual property rights management mm-hmm. uh, into the future. Um, the majority of the issues that we have um, as Māori uh, is that intellectual property is often litigated retrospectively. Yes. So after the fact, mm-hmm. so so the especially the, um, the repatriation international repatriation program that Tomaho um, has been so part of uh, over these years has been to um, to to address um, uh, harm. 
that has yeah. been called in the past. Uh, the, the negotiations um, for the, the, the terms of uh, what we might use the word ownership uh, for that waka were done before the waka existed. And the principle of kaitiakitanga or, kaitiakitanga, or the, the role of kaitiaki uh, was foremost in those negotiations. So this, um, it's difficult to actually uh, translate that word into English, uh, but it's a, it's a principled framework uh, based on relationships where the duty of care and responsibility is okay. shared That's between good. people. And so before the, um, the waka was even made, mm. it was determined what the shared relationship and the ongoing responsibility would be. Okay. And part of that process was not just the transferal of the tangible object, mm. but also the conveyance of the intangible knowledge that was required for the Dutch to fulfill their responsibility to the standard that was expected of them by Māori. Okay, so it's a specific. It's a specific type of benefit sharing agreement. Then it's a, it's Based. about shared responsibility. So, right. um, so even before the waka made it to uh, the Netherlands, Tamaho went over there and trained the um, the Nord Rowing Royal Rowing Club members um, to become kaihoi. Now, um, to be a kaihoi is to to carry the knowledge that ensures the um, the the action of the waka, and so that was mm -hmm. it's that's ah. that's a very personal contract that binds all parties into a sh a common purpose. Okay, is and there so, some? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, uh, and so uh, so when Tamaho talks about the the Dutch coming back, um, they send their their paddlers to Aotearoa to be immersed in, in the largest gathering of waka to receive instruction but also to receive life lessons and we've just celebrated the 10th anniversary of the handover of that waka and the yes. 10 year cultural exchange mm -hmm. between Māori and the Dutch and the, the Dutch not only speak of their joy of participation but also the lessons that they have learned from being immersed in Māori philosophy. Hmm, okay, that's so interesting. So then, is there then a fiduciary responsibility on the part of the Dutch in terms of taking care of the waka? Yes. Yeah, okay, that's good, that's interesting. Um, what's the role of the organization of Toye Mori in all of this? So not only just the project in the Netherlands, but broadly speaking in terms of representing artists and artwork, and also the history of Maori people. Anyone can answer. Uh, so um, we we enable a national network of Maori artists and artist leaders. Uh, so we are governed by a trust board uh, who comprise uh, Maori art leaders who are elected by um, the chairs of the national Maori art form committees. So it's it's quite a um, um, it, it's a model that's artist led, and uh, this office has been set up as a charitable trust uh, to uh, to enable those the activity of um, the outform committees, but also to initiate 
uh, projects that uh, bring the art forms together. Uh, because another thing that is very very characteristic of Māori and other Indigenous art forms is that it doesn't help to consider the art form as an autonomous um, uh, category. Uh, the wealth, the breadth, the depth uh, of, of Māori art and culture mm -hmm. uh, is seen and operates at full capacity when you have the dynamics of the many art forms coming together. Right. So part of our responsibility is to um, engineer opportunities for that togetherness and okay. that collective expression. Uh, another another aspect of the work we do here is uh, we actively interface across government um, in New Zealand uh, to promote, advocate, uh, and and try and win space uh, for the promotion of Māori art within um, mainstream cultural. Uh, institutions. Okay, that's good. That's this is such a very insightful discussion that we're having. We could even have it for for much longer time. Uh, in addition to the work being done, the great work that you're doing uh, in collaboration with the Dutch, are there any other types of intellectual property rights management initiatives or system that is used to protect Maori's art, whether within New Zealand or outside of New Zealand? Yeah. Um, so we've got a couple of examples of uh, First Nations uh, carved totem poles uh, that are only 30 kilometres down uh, from Wellington here um, yeah. in a place called Porirua. Um So that was done on behalf of um, uh, Clinkett um, um, artist named Dempsey Bob. Uh, he's one of your foremost um, uh, carvers um, uh, up in Canada there. And um, so with that, um, we look after, on behalf of the artist, uh, those particular totem poles, um, but also acknowledging uh, the artist himself who created them. Um, so basically, uh, they stole um, the intellectual property um, even ownership of that remains with the artist um, and we're looking after it on behalf of them um, but we've also uh, managed to <clears throat> line ourselves up with the specific councils uh, that are out in that area uh, also uh, acknowledging that and making them uh, aware of the fact that um, uh, you might have supplied the wood uh, but the actual thinking uh, and philosophies that went into that wood and what have you remain with the artist. Uh, that's the same uh, principles that we have up in uh, the Netherlands there. Mm -hmm. So even though it's a, it's a canoe, um, it's actually a working uh, working waka, yeah. a working canoe. So, I mean, it's on display um, mm -hmm. under its own carved uh, canoe shelter. Um, and all, all the uh, all the knowledge that went into that uh, remains on behalf um, of the artist, which we care for. Um, yes. So, if, uh, for instance, if those artists pass away, um, then we turn to their families, mm -hmm. uh, the descendants of those artists, yes. and uh, we always uh, connect with them. And make them uh, aware that look, there's this relationship we're here that we've had 
over the years mm-hmm. um, and this is how uh, things are because at the end of the day um, yeah. you know uh, for want of uh, exploiting our culture mm-hmm. it's something we're always very protective of yes. um, if you look all around the world I mean uh, people have used uh, some of our uh, icons of uh, our culture there uh, to represent uh, themselves. Yes, they um, have. They've taken our haka. Uh, they've taken some of our art forms, and you know, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, tried to replicate those, and then sell them elsewhere. Yes. Um, so the only thing we can do from our end is do the best that we can mm-hmm. uh, in our art, uh, and to be the best, uh, we have to fight for it. Um, and also sculpt it in a way that no one else can replicate it. Uh, so those are all the issues that we go through uh, at this point in time. But also uh, we have people that are passionate about our arts um, and also uh, form uh, specific policies uh, to try and safeguard that art. So as Anna mentioned before, uh, we've been working with uh, government uh, organisations right across the board um, and all the issues that you bring up uh, with in regard to this. Uh, we're working with our uh, foreign affairs and trade um, around intellectual property, around uh, use of Māori artefacts, uh, carvings and what have you uh, to highlight um, uh, the aspirations that we have as uh, Māori artists. So, yeah. I think just one thing further to add to that, to your question, um, the the lesson that is being learned in in Aotearoa currently, which um, I hopefully, um, which I hope is is part of a a longer cycle, because what happens here is we have a rising and then there's a resistance and then there's a new rising. Yeah. Uh, So the the momentum that, that Tamaho mentioned is starting in 75. Uh, ended up with bicultural principles being enacted across the state. And that's all rising, which led to um, great initiatives such as the Māori Language Act in 1987. And then there's a, then eventually, by the time we got um, 10 years down the track, there was a resistance. And we had a period of hardness uh, where, where there was um, a defending of territories as such. And now we're in a new flourishing, which is due to the number of, of, of um, Māori tribes who have gone through the uh, Treaty of Waitangi process, which is the restitution process for the uh, impacts of colonisation and European settlement in New Zealand. So that's where we're at currently. Uh, I think what what we're hoping uh, will be a long-term achievement is a, a shift in attitude where people see that working in deep collaboration with Māori actually is highly productive um, and generates um, new knowledge, new relationships and new cultural expressions that benefit the nation and make us feel proud about it ourselves. Um, so as Tamaho mentioned, uh, we deal with um, international commodification of our culture by stepping forward, um, by generating better, newer, um, more uh, integral um, expressions of our identity. That's how we hold maintain um, maintain our authority and position. Uh, but 
Um, using the case study of the haka um, that's used by the All Blacks, um, this, that's a really great example of how good things can come of right. something that people might otherwise have, have resisted. Mm -hmm. uh, so the haka that's, um, that the All Blacks um, performed for, you know, nearly a hundred years, eh? Um, it's actually the, 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 the intellectual property of, of one tribe and, and the, the, the narrative or the, the, the kōrero, the speak of that haka is specific to, to, um, to their chief and to a specific incident and okay. a complex of events that are located in a specific time. Mm -hmm. Now, as part of their treaty negotiation process, um, that tribe wanted to uphold the mana, the, the authority um, of those words. Mm. Uh, and of course this was going this was anticipated as um, as, as being um, providing posing challenges to the ability of the all blacks to do to perform the haka um, and, and for other people around the world to perform this haka um, however however they want to. Uh, so um, in anticipation of that, to front foot that, um, one of our longest standing, most um, steadfast members of our network, Sir Derek Lardelli, uh, who's the chair of our of Te Uhi, our Moko Committee, and also a long serving trustee, and currently Te Pu Kōnuhi on the board, uh, which means he is the face of, of um, all matters relating to Māori art. Uh, he was engaged to compose a new haka for the All Blacks, and that is the one that they that they use today. So that the generative potential of Māori culture mm -hmm. uh, creates new opportunities for new flourishing. So, so the attitude is not to, to fix and contain our culture in terms mm -hmm. of um, tangible or intangible property rights. Mm. Um, we're actually trying to, um, trying to demonstrate every day um, that that we have the capacity and the capability um, to to face the challenges of the present moment. Thanks. And by being able to litigate our our property rights mm -hmm. um, in that moment is something that we're really um, able to do currently in Aotearoa. Amazing. So insightful and insightful, informative and also positive work, positive action that makes a difference. Because sometimes we tend to think about intellectual property rights management in silos from culture, you know, and specific people, so that's great. We only have about two or so minutes left, and I'd like to use the, 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 the time to ask you, what does resilience mean to you, especially now in a post, could we say post-COVID or COVID times? Um, resilience in the context of Maury's art and Maury's culture? Um, look, you know, isolation or isolation for major cultural centres has always been part of our national psyche. Uh, but, you know, I have to say being um, on, a, on, an, on a relatively large island mass uh, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean has caused us to turn around and look at each other in a way that we haven't for some time. And, uh, while, while our government and, and, and mainstream culture is largely influenced by international um, broadcast media um, and there's a compulsion to travel internationally, um, we're actually enjoying our country. 
and we and and Māori culture and our um, our position in in this country is currently being celebrated in a way that it hasn't in the past. Uh, people are proud to be part of this country, and to be proud of the country needs to you need to reconcile, need to have a position of reconciliation <coughs> with the past. And I suppose that's the process that we're going through as a nation currently. And as Tamaho said previously, Māori know we know our history uh, because we rely on our communities to ensure the perpetuation of that knowledge. Mm. Um, but what we're seeing at the moment is a it is a newfound interest, curiosity, and um, and government recognition um, for how for for Māori as a as a foundation uh, culture for the nation. That's great. Thanks, Henry. Thomas. Just just on part of that, yeah. uh, Marsha. Um, so uh, with that, um, and I was talking about knowledge earlier on. Um, next year, uh, we're being introduced. The whole country uh, will get a national public holiday uh, based on the Māori New Year, uh, Matariki, Pleiades, um, and that's, that's great. You know, that's knowledge and history uh, mm. that came back from. Uh, the islands there and it's only this year and we've been oh we've actually been uh, fighting for that since the 1990s uh, when we first um, put that program out um, and put that knowledge out uh, to uh, this country that look um, we also have a Māori New Year uh, it's normally during the winter all the history um and knowledge that's associated with it so now next year uh, it'll become a public holiday and it won't be based on the uh, gregorian calendar as well it's actually based on the lunar phases of the moon oh. uh, so that's another part of maori history uh, ah. that uh, this country is yet to learn mm -hmm. um, hmm. oh that's so that's resilience that's great that's amazing do you know we could have we could talk so much more about this but I'm so happy that both of you, hopefully it'll be both of you will be joining uh, the webinar that we'll be having in, in September, where we can learn more about the work with uh, the Netherlands and also the the public holiday next year, all within the context of uh, promoting and sustaining the, the history and also the well-being, the welfare of people who work in the space of the creative arts in uh, amongst Maori's people. Uh, Tamahu and Anne-Marie, thank you for, for joining us for a very insightful and thought-provoking discussion. Thank you. Kia ora, Masha. Nice to talk to you. It was great having you.